You're listening to Wellbeing with the Sydney Swans. Hello and welcome to Wellbeing with the Sydney Swans, a podcast we've been looking to launch for a little while now, but given the current circumstances, we thought there was no better time. This podcast will set out to bring you some tips and guidance on how we look after ourselves both physically, emotionally and mentally. We'll work with you through the journey with a number of guests from the Sydney Swans family who are experts in their field. And on today's first episode, we want to explore the idea of dealing with fear and anxiety during the current period that we're all living in. Most of us are dealing with uncertainty surrounding our jobs and our daily routine has been thrown out of whack. So we explore some of the ways that, uh, that we can assist in dealing with this anxiety and fear. We're joined by club psychologist, Susie Ruthick. Susie, I hope I've got that right. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. It's a, like, like you've been saying it my whole life. It's perfect. <laughs> now, it's obviously an interesting time we're all living through. Can you talk to us a bit about some of the anxiety and fears that people might be feeling to start with? Yeah, look, the first thing I want to say is that fear, anxiety, stress, frustration, some of those really difficult emotions that people are feeling at the moment um, are an absolutely appropriate response to what is a really unpredictable, chaotic um, and uncertain time for people. So the fact that you might be noticing that you're having those feelings and, and thoughts popping up for you that are, that are distressing or uncomfortable is in and of itself not a concern. I'd be actually quite, um, I guess, um, it'd be unusual to not have those sorts of thoughts and feelings occurring to you. So that, that's the first thing I want to say is that it's really appropriate and it's very, very normal and many of us would be feeling that way. I guess for me, the, the, the bigger issue is how intense those thoughts and feelings are for you and I can talk a bit more about that. Um, and also what you're doing with it. And that's that's really, I, I guess, the incentive behind having podcasts like this is giving out some basic information for how to deal with those thoughts and feelings when they do occur to you. Um, but you've already mentioned a couple of things is that the biggest, the next biggest pandemic that we're dealing with beyond coronavirus is, is uncertainty. That's something that um, globally um, and certainly on a, on a smaller scale individually, we're, we're all navigating at the moment. So fear about job security, fear about finances, fear about the virus itself and and the unknowns associated with that with respect to our health of of ourselves and our loved ones. Um, And I guess also just not knowing what is is coming up next for us. Um, They're some of the big things that people are talking to me about, um, both privately and, and through the club as well. We might start with the intensity of those feelings, which you sort of touched on there. Why is it that some of us, I guess, feel more anxious than others? And It's a really good question, and it's not specific to coronavirus um, to understand why some people facing the same situation react in completely different ways. It's, it's fascinating. It's a part of what makes psychology um, a science and so, and so valuable, I think, to, um, to the community. So... In terms of an individual, how we react and respond to things, part of it's to do with our genetic makeup. So there is a biological element to how we react and and how we learn to cope with with situations that that we're facing. So um, from a a family perspective, you might notice that within the family, there are other people that feel anxious or tend to worry or feel fear um, in response to situations. So it's not a given, but certainly there's a there's a, um, a heritability or a biological capacity to to develop fear and anxiety in relation to um, our family history. But in, it, at the same time, it's not all about um, 
it's not all about nature. There's a nurture element as well. And that's basically how we've learned to cope throughout our life. So our parents are primary role models to begin with in most people's cases. But then also when we go to school, we learn, we, we watch other adults interact and, and how they cope with, with stressful situations. Um, so some people will learn really effective models of coping with their fear and anxiety. They'll learn to talk, they'll learn to write things down, they'll learn to exercise to manage what's coming up for them. And those people probably won't feel a, an intense level of anxiety that, that overwhelms them or that, that leads to unhelpful coping mechanisms. But some people might never have those lessons. They might never get to watch people cope effectively. And so that they, they may learn to um, deal um, inappropriately with their thoughts and feelings or they, excuse me, or they may be so intense that they don't, they don't, just don't have effective coping mechanisms and that's when they come and speak to somebody like myself. So I guess the short answer is there's a, there's a, a nature and a nurture element to why some people feel uh, feelings more intensely than others. We want to make this podcast quite, I guess, practical for people. So we might jump into some of those tips and, and strategies that people might be able to use to help with dealing, uh, dealing with the feelings that they're having at this time, a few of the feelings that you've just explained there. What are some of the things that you would have at the top of your list? Maybe some of the really basic things that people can start to do to, to help, I guess, understand, but also um, deal with the feelings that they're having. I guess the first thing is being able to recognise what you are actually feeling. So believe it or not, we don't all have a good understanding of what emotions are coming up for us. We might notice changes in our body you know we might notice our heart racing or we might notice sweaty palms or we might notice feeling fidgety um, and and we don't necessarily know what to call it so it can be it can be pretty unsettling for some people so I would I'd say that the first thing to do is to learn learn about your emotional reactions so start to give what's coming up for you a label is it fear is it anxiety is it anger is it sadness is it um, a sense of, of loss or, or um, overwhelm something like that so learning to notice what's coming up for you is really the first step to being able to do something about it. And if you don't have that knowledge or that um, self-awareness or that insight, that's okay. It's, it's, a, it's a skill that can be learned um, and maybe guided with a psychologist or a counsellor, somebody like that. So it's okay to not know what those things are for you. But if you do, even just pausing and just thinking, okay, I think this might be anxiety or I think this might be fear or, or anger or whatever it might be. So labelling it is, is a really good first step. And then it's the big thing. What do I do with it once I've noticed it or once I've got some self-awareness? Lots of different options for people based on your preferences and your skill set. Um, a really basic technique is actually just learning to breathe effectively. So breathing using our diaphragm and not just our chest, but really breathing right down into your stomach is a really effective technique for switching off the fight or flight response that might have been triggered by some worrying news that you've heard or um, your thoughts racing around in your head or seeing something um, on social media that's just um, unsettling for you. So learning to do this diaphragmatic breathing, again, it's a skill. It's a different way of breathing to how we normally do, but there's lots of videos on YouTube out there. If you just click in belly breathing or diaphragmatic breathing, you'll get some really good guides. Um, I saw Callum Mills doing that online this week uh, in one of our swans. We've got a swans fit um, course that we're running at the moment online. And he, that was his mental health tip for the week. He does 10 minutes of breathing a day. So Excellent. Um, yeah, that, that's a really good example for people yeah. if they are looking for it. 
And look, if you've ever had any practice um, doing yoga or singing, for example, those sorts of people tend to be quite good at this technique because it's, it's a practice that they've engaged with um, previously. But again, if it's new to you, that's okay. You know, jump online, see if there's um, some videos that you can um, follow or speak to, as I said, speak to a counsellor or psychologist that might be able to teach you. So breathing is a really effective one. Um, Another one is mindfulness. So I know there's, there's probably going to be a whole other podcast on mindfulness, so I don't want to dive too deep into it here. But mindfulness is learning to be self-aware without judgment. So noticing what comes up for you, but not being critical of those thoughts and feelings that you might notice. Um, again, it's a, uh, it's a skill to learn and there are ways of, of being able to do that. There are lots of apps that you could um, download. One of the ones that I tend to use effectively is um, Smiling Mind. It's a really... Um, practical guided mindfulness um, courses of a series of mindfulness activities and those sorts of things can be really helpful just if you notice that your thoughts are racing or you can't get to sleep at night or you're spending a lot of the day worrying it's a really effective technique just to switch off and just have some distance from those thoughts and feelings so breathing's a, a body um, one that helps with your body mindfulness is one that helps um, with your thoughts um, and I think the other thing is is being really um, proactive with setting a routine and, and creating this new normal and we might talk a bit more about that um, towards the end of the podcast um, or in a separate section but um, just none of us know how long this is going to last for but the reality is it's not going to be a day or so you know we're, we're, we're sort of in the middle of it arguably speaking um, and it is really important to create some structure and some routine so that you've got a sense of purpose. You've got a reason to get up in the morning and you've got some things that you're looking forward to. And it just helps you with perspective as well to not feel so overwhelmed by everything that's going on around us. We will deep dive into some of these issues a lot further, the mindfulness one and setting routine in particular um, in upcoming episodes. But maybe for now, just specific to this um, period of time we're living in and the pandemic we're living in, and the way people source their information, how important is it um, in terms of what channels they're going to and where they're sourcing their information? And I guess how much information they are sourcing, which would vary for different people depending on their mindset. Yeah, it would probably vary for people based on their mindset and also their need. You know, some people might need to be across more information because they're a frontline healthcare worker or um, they're, you know, still attending the office or something like that. So it is very individual, I guess my general tips for this are be selective with your sources. So try to find reputable sources. So whether it's the Australian government coronavirus app that you download and then have the most um, up-to-date relevant information available um, to use and, and engage with when you choose to. Um, I would say having the news streaming on your phone or on your television constantly without switching it off is going to be pretty draining and pretty overwhelming. So I know myself that I try to tune in in the morning just to see what, what updates have come through from Europe or the States overnight, for example, although um, mindful that there is a bit of fear mongering. So even taking what they say um, and just being tr trying to be quite balanced with um, finding out other information to, to, to complete the picture. So looking at something first thing in the morning and then consciously switching it off for the day, unless there's something like, unless there's an alert that comes through on my phone that really needs to be attended to. And then again, maybe having a look in the evening, but not too close to bedtime. I think that having a break from the information before you go to bed is probably wise in terms of trying to get a good night's sleep. So um, like I try to insert 
things like reading, um, not about coronavirus, but just reading for pleasure, um, doing a mindfulness activity, lying on the floor and having a stretch, um, having a shower or a bath and just kind of washing the day away. So divorcing myself from the information before I go into bed and try to give myself a good night's sleep can be a, um, a useful technique rather than just rolling straight from the television into bed and then having all that information rattling around in your head unhelpfully. That information can create some negative thoughts and you kind of touched on this a bit earlier, but how do we make sure that those negative thoughts don't consume us um, and become too overwhelming for us? And we've gone through a few, I guess, tips and hints there, but is there a way to, I guess, accept that they exist? Yeah, I think acceptance is a, a key part of actually adjusting and coping with this difficult time. If we pretend like it's not happening um, or we're resistant to the changes that are going on around us and we're not flexible, then I don't think that we'll cope particularly well. And I think that those people will actually find, you know, have a harder time of, of dealing with coronavirus. Um, I think in it's a really good question. I, I try to draw the difference between worrying for the sake of worrying and it not being very um, effective and worrying that leads to problem solving. So if you're noticing negative thoughts coming up, my number one question to myself or to anybody else is, can I do something about this right now? So whether that's writing it down and, um, you know, just say it's a financial worry, for example, I, you know, I would write something down, I'm, I'm worried about my finances, what can I do about it? Okay, well, I can have a look at my spreadsheet of my incomings and my outgoings, maybe I can make some changes there, or maybe I can't do anything about it right now, but I'll make a note of it in my diary that I need to call my bank tomorrow, or I need to call my mortgage broker, or I need to speak to my parents about, you know, what finances, um, what my finances might be doing. So we can be product, um, that's not the right word, we can be um, constructive with our negative thoughts if they lead to problem solving and strategies um, rather than just, um, as I said, worrying for worrying sake without being, do, without doing anything about them. Um, but yes, you're right, some negative thoughts will pop up and we do need to make room for them and accept that that's just a really, that, that's a really difficult reality or really difficult fact that we're dealing with right now. So for example, if somebody has the negative thought that, um, uh, you know, I, somebody, somebody I know, somebody I love might get coronavirus and that, that frightens me. I think that there's a reality to that. We can't just dismiss it. We can't just problem solve our way through it, but we can still learn to cope with that. So thinking about what can I control within my realm of, you know, my, my world, what can I control to manage, to make sure that I can cope with that situation even, even when it eventuates. So, um, you know, making sure you encourage your family members to, to practice hygiene and wash their hands regularly, keep so, um, socially distanced from other people, um, not go out unnecessarily. So trying to kind of keep them safe that way and making sure that you do it as well. So we can't, um, you know, prevent everything. We can't uh, minimize, sorry, we can minimize the risk, but we can't prevent everything from happening. But just making sure that we focus on the things that we can control and not get getting too carried away with other people's behaviors or other things that are beyond um, our uh, realm of experience, I guess. I think we've touched a fair bit on, I guess, the information and the, the pandemic that's going on. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about social isolation and, and the impact that has upon people. Um, and, and in a strange way, they are linked um, very closely. But uh, people not being able to socialise with one another, you've just mentioned family a number of times there in that last answer. What would be some of your 
suggestions for people in, in how to continue to keep that social interaction up and the importance of keeping that social interaction up? Yeah, look, it's a term that I guess has been coined for this particular um, health crisis, but it's, um, I worry, I have to say I worry a little bit, um, and maybe not in a constructive way, that um, beyond this health crisis, that there's going to be a social crisis, and that's going to be the next thing that we need to respond and deal with. So the term physical distancing has been used um, interchangeably with social distancing or social isolation. And I have to say, I prefer it because I think it's more accurate. I think that we, we do need to be physically distancing to protect ourselves from, from the virus. Um, but in terms of social distancing, um, it's, it's, I don't know if that's the practice that I'm seeing. Um, and I'm, I'm, it's semantics, I guess, but in terms of the connections that I'm seeing people making and investing in, um, I'm, I'm really impressed, I guess, and I'm really encouraged by what I see. So for example, I've never seen so many family members walking in the streets and connecting um, over games um, and being creative with kids in the backyard, you know, camping out, things like that. So I know that families um, are working really hard to stay connected and engaged um, with, the, with young children and with the older generations as well, as safely and as, pos you know, as possibly they can. Um, I also know from a Swans perspective, the, the players are feeling incredibly connected and engaged through using technology like this, like Zoom. Um, and I guess one of the things I would encourage is the importance of this face-to-face -face connection. So I can see you, Shane, you can see me. I know we're not in the same physical space, but there's, um, there's actually a release of positive feel-good chemicals um, called oxytocin that we're getting a hit of by just being able to physically see each other. So that um, those chemicals are released in great abundance when we can physically touch each other. Now, we're not in a position to be able to do that at the moment with our loved ones, but face-to-face -face connection is the next best thing. It's far stronger than just being able to pick up a phone and text or phone call people. So I would encourage people to, to make use of this technology as best they possibly can. And for people that don't feel comfortable or confident in how to use this technology, um, I'd be advocating for somebody in the family to talk them through how to set up Zoom or how to use FaceTime or Skype or any of the other platforms that are available to us. Um, whether it's an older generation that just doesn't um, use a lot of technology, you might not be able to go around and physically show them, but I would pick up the phone and, and talk them through step by step how to set up this and, and hopefully that gets more and more people connecting um, this way because it is super important to see people's faces um, and to make the effort to um, socialize not just for work but for the benefits of catching up and um, talking about things besides coronavirus so that we do come through the other side of this and we're not so socially um, scarred I guess is, is, is my hope. I know in my circumstance, it's definitely changed what we do. I mean, we've done 2000 piece puzzles, which is something I wouldn't have even looked at or touched for 10 years. We've dusted off board games that we haven't played for a long time. Um, this is part of the, the household I'm living in, but then even beyond that, doing Zoom calls with our wider family, taking part in online trivia nights. So, I mean, there's plenty of different options out there for people, even if they're not sure who to connect with. There's, there is these trivia nights and quizzes online that are being run that can often entertain and bring that connection to people as well. Yeah, I, I think like everything, this doesn't need to be a threat um, in terms of our social connection and our emotional health and well-being. It can be an opportunity, but you have to take it, you have to create it. 
sitting back and waiting for it to happen for you is probably not going to be the answer. So it is about being, as I said, flexible, adaptable, constructive, proactive, all of those sorts of traits um, will help us all get through this time emotionally as well as physically. Susan, we've covered a fair bit, and this is just our opening opening episode, so it is very much just a bit of an overview of where we're sitting at the moment. We will delve into some of those topics a bit deeper. Is there any sort of closing tips or comments you'd like to give people around dealing with their, their emotional feelings during this period? Um, I guess I just really want to reiterate um, how normal it is to feel uncomfortable at this time, whatever those feelings might be. Um, I'd encourage you to pick up the phone and talk to a friend, talk to a family member, sorry, not just pick up the phone, pick up, um, start a Zoom link and um, have those conversations with, with your, your wider support network. Um, if that extends to, to seeking professional health services, then um, all psychologists are now encouraged and, and it's accessible to, to set up um, video consults. So don't be afraid to um, have, a, have a professional service um, if you think that you're fear, anxiety, stress, overwhelm, sadness, whatever it might be, um, is, is getting too much and you don't think that the basic strategies that I've talked about today are gonna to be enough to help you, take it to that next level and really reach out and ask somebody for a bit of help. Because while the coronavirus is a new situation and we're learning more and more about it every day, Psychologists do have really robust strategies for dealing with fear and anxiety. So just because it's a new situation doesn't mean that we, um, we, have, we have to develop new techniques for working out. Our techniques and strategies and plans for helping people remain the same. Um, and, and they're really effective, especially when you get, um, get onto those sorts of concerns early. We are going to cover a number of topics in the next few episodes. So I might just mention that, that we're going to look into the idea of setting your routine. We're going to look into the idea of mindfulness and explore that a bit deeper, um, how you can work from home and how that can impact our mental health, but how we can potentially set up our work from home environment to, to benefit us, um, how we can stay connected better during this period and also just some assistance on sleeping, which obviously we touched on a little bit in this. So there is plenty of different topics to cover. So, um, Thanks for today, Suze. Really appreciate it. Hopefully everyone's got a little bit out of it and we'll hear more from you over the coming weeks. Thanks for having me. Um, and I really enjoyed actually being, having, being able to have a conversation about things that I find really important and interesting. So thanks for the opportunity. You're listening to Wellbeing with the Sydney Swans.